Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Equity of up to £150 million. Pounds. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 84. It is an international break on the men's side, and there is still somehow some things to talk about. <laughs> Not a lot going on in the world of Spurs as we await a North London Derby next week. But uh we've got uh we've got some we've got some topics. We're gonna get you through a little bit, a little bit of a podcast here on the weekend for you. Uh, the Todd father is here. He is at TC underscore Cachot, uh, back from, from his travels abroad. He's been, he's been busy. My man's getting, my man's getting work done. Todd, what's going on, man? <laughs> hey, any day, uh, any day you get together with, uh, with your mates and talk about Spurs international or otherwise is a good fucking day. So I'm here and I'm fired up to chat with you. I was sad that uh, I had some best manning to do over the weekend and didn't get to chat with you after Sonny's second half hat trick, 13 minute hat trick, by the way, Uh, some of the smoothest, sexiest stuff you'll ever want to see. I'm just happy to be here. And we're happy you're here as well. Caroline's also with us at CG Stefko. Kaz, what's going on with you? Hey, uh, just enjoying a slightly slower soccer week you know it's good to have these kind of pauses in the season to to regroup so but of course missing spurs anyway (laughs) absolutely we do have a women's north london derby this weekend but obviously as we talked about last week we are recording this podcast a little bit early because of my travel schedule mostly i'm the one that's that's effing this up for everyone uh so we will cover the, the the women's team uh, on the pod next week after the men's North London Derby, because we're definitely going to need to talk about that as well. But uh, as I said, as you're hearing this, that you probably already know the result of that game. We don't because we're recording this early and we, we you know, we covered that. Uh, as I said, there's some things to cover this week. There's There's been some news about Spurs uh, signing scouts and kind of the structure of the club from a football standpoint, uh, kind of getting a little bit more firm under uh, Fabio Paratici. Um, there's not a lot of analysis to be done here, but Todd, I'm going to start with you. Like, I guess Paratici is really getting more of a foothold in this club right now, mm-hmm. and and really getting it feels like it feels like he's gotten his 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 hands deep in the sand on this thing, but it really now is like there's just more coming out and and between. He and Antonio Conte, the structure being in place and the window that we saw this past summer and the window that we kind of are expecting to see continue in January. What are your thoughts on just Paratici's approach to this whole thing and how he's been doing it? 
Uh, I think it's methodical. I think it's calculated. I think it's surgeon-like. I fucking love it. And you want to know my favorite part about it, Andrew? Is that we don't hear Daniel Levy's name anymore. And that means that he's as far away from the football side of this thing as you could ask him to be and doing exactly what he needs to be doing, which is making that motherfucking stadium money and letting Prodigy do the things that that guy does in the football or to, to build a football army, which is essentially what he's doing right now. And you know what? You've got people up and down this organization that would die for that backroom staff. They're doing incredible things at Spurs and it's starting at a foundational level. And you put that directly on their shoulders and at the feet of Prodigy. I agree with you. I think the the really cool thing, and it's funny you mentioned the stadium thing. I saw there were rumors about uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium potentially hosting the 2028 Euro matches, which would be really cool. There's there's a couple of other Premier League stadiums that are in the mix for that. Um, as as noted by our friends over at Cartilage Free Captain, uh, one of the stadiums not involved in those conversations would be the Emirates, which is really great. It's just a, a nice little piece of banter there. It's just awful quiet there. Yeah, it's the su- super, super library-like. Um, so yeah, that stadium money rolling in. I think that the really important part of all of this under, you know, in the, I guess what we, what we would just call the Paratici era is that he has his manager in place. And Caroline, there's been ru- a lot of rumors this week about Antonio Conte and Juventus, and but there's also been more confirmed rumors from reporters like Alistair Gold about, uh, no, there's potential for Conte to stick around here longer. There's potential for a, a one-year extension. It would have to be mutually agreed upon on both sides. But I think as long as we continue to see Paratici cook, as as it were, uh, in you know come January, which, gosh, I think there's something only like 12 or so league matches before we get another transfer window, which is bonkers because of the, the, was the World Cup. But as long as we continue to see that those wheels in motion, it feels like the Paratici era is really building something now, right? It does. And I, I think if I were Conte, I would be feeling really good about how everything's going behind the scenes. And, you know, as Spurs fans, we've been wanting this for years, you know, for Daniel Levy to sort of take a back seat and leave it to the experts, you know, on the pitch matters, uh, leave it to the experts. And that's basically what Paratici has been doing. You know, he's bringing in people for different aspects of the scouting. Um, I think we've talked so many times already this season about bringing in Gianni Vio being a huge coup um, for the team. And yeah, if I was Conte, I'd be thinking, you know, everything's in place to have a really successful next few years. Recent transfers have, I think, for the most part, been really strong and yeah, that's, there's no reason to think that he he's not going to be enticed to stay a little bit longer. Well, that's actually a really good place to to dive into our first mailbag question of the episode from from our good friend Dustin Deeds. Uh, he wanted to know who's your favorite of the new signings for, from from this summer, and I think there's an obvious answer here, but I know mine's a little different. Caroline, what who's your favorite new signing from this summer? I know we've only ha- played a handful of games so far this year, but I think it's a good place to. To stop, first of all, the internet, the fact that we're having an international break with this World Cup thing, I, I just want to say for the record, fucking it nonsense. Pisses, it pisses me off and it's so ridiculous, but it is a good place to pause and take our collective breath and say, who, from what we've seen so far, who's your, who's your favorite of the new signings thus far, Caroline? Yeah, my favorite has to be Yvonne Perisic. You know, I was so excited when he came in to begin with. Uh, just because I had seen him play, you know, previously at Bayern and already had a really high opinion of him. 
and we've already seen results. You know, he hasn't gotten a goal yet for Spurs, but he's, you know, joint assist leader for the team already this season. Um, he's just completely transformed our set piece game along with Gianni Vio. They're kind of a, you know, duo, I guess this year. And I also just think the the experience he brings to the squad is going to end up being so valuable in terms of like his mentorship of some of the younger players like uh, Sessegnon, Spence, and yeah, he's he's a versatile player. So he he kind of just is the whole package as far as a new transfer is concerned. For as much as we talked pre-pod, uh, we did not discuss our answers to some of these mailbag questions because you stole mine, um, which is you probably saw my my reaction as we're, yeah. we're, we're talking over this video call. Uh, yeah, Perisic is my answer too, and it's it's for a lot of the reasons that you stated, but um, it's mostly for for that veteran presence and, like you said, the fact that he's a guy that I don't think we were used to Spurs going in for a guy like him a guy who has such experience and is a, you know, is a champions league winner. And, and we're more used to, to Spurs bringing in the 23, 24, 25 year old or younger. And the fact that they've brought a guy like him in that says a lot about the intent of this club and the, and the intent of what they're trying to build and do here. Um, and not to mention the dude is so good on corners and has been so good on set pieces and it's been a joy to watch. And the versatility of the guy. I mean, we saw him last weekend play on the right side. I mean, he's been playing on the left side all year. And while there are some nits to pick there, I think with his, his ability from a defensive standpoint, I still think the versatility of a player like that is really, really key. Todd, you got a different answer for us? Or I you do. Stick I do. As a matter of fact, um, well, I'm going to cheat. Uh, and I'm going to say that my favorite signing of the summer is Cudi Romero. He's easily the best center back. It's ridiculous that you got okay, him. Okay, hold on. That is cheating. Uh, that is cheating. Is, uh, cheating. <laughs> no, my answer is Richarlison. And it's very simple. It's because Richarlison makes the other three in that front four better across the board. Um, the ability to rotate him in, sit, sun, let sun work through the things that he needs to. His ability to, again, play across the front three and will eventually – We'll ask him to uh, spell Kane. He'll have the ability to do that. It's essentially being able to look over the bench and have someone with some teeth as they come on at 60 minutes is really exciting to see. And we haven't had that. We've been crying out for that for years. And so here we are now with it. And I think it would be doing us ourselves an injustice not to, to call it out as the summer sign. I, I think that's really, really a salient point. And it's something that Caroline and I were talking about before you jumped on with us to, to record here. The fact that last weekend when Sonny, you know, got off off the mark and, and scored those three goals, the reaction and his his post-game reaction to everything, I think was was so important. And I think it's it's one of those things where you like Sonny's reaction is always going to be endearing to, to to a situation like that. But I think the fact that fans supported him through it like they did, and obviously they're not going to turn on him. Uh, he's Sonny's a beloved player, but the fact that he got so much support through it, while also people were saying we could justifiably drop Sonny, and that was him being dropped. I mean, le like let's be honest, he, he was rotated, he was dropped. You can use the semantics however way you want it to, but they have the ability now to rotate slash drop players because of Richarlison. And that's so, so key because when you can throw Kulisevsky, Kane, and Richarlison out there and have Sun coming off the bench, 
that's lethal. And that's really, really important depth to have. And Richarlison, you know, in a similar way to the, to the Parasitch signing, but not exactly the same. It's one of those intent signings. And it's one of those, we're putting our foot down types of signings. And I think that's really important to, to note. Agreed. I think that that's the kind of signing that we're seeing out of Paratici across the board, though. So I want you to go back and I want you to take a look. Kulisevsky is to set your foot down. I said on this very pod that Bentoncourt was going to be the most important of those signings before we even knew what Kulisevsky was going to do. And I feel like the, the stability that Bentoncourt provides this to this the spine of this team, it speaks volumes. Um, I don't, I don't know that I have any criticism for Paratici in terms of his approach in the transfer market at all. I think he's done exactly what you want to do if you're Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, I, I, I can't really disagree. I think that the depth that they've brought in, and I, I've, I've heard this a lot too from, you know, more national or international soccer pods that don't just specifically cover Spurs, but there, there's been a lot of comment about the depth. And I think that's been the biggest... Uh, difference, I guess you could say, from this season to previous ones, where the depth really seems to be there to not only, not just to compete in all competitions, which I think is something that Spurs fans want them to do, and and I think that they will do. You know, put a good foot forward in the Champions League, make a run in the cups, in the domestic cups. But but not only that, but with a season like this one, which is so different, with there being a World Cup in the middle of it. Um, you're going to need that kind of rotation and that ability to drop players when they need to be dropped and bring in quality off the bench. And that's exactly the word, Andrews. It's the quality. It's 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 being able to look over at the bench and know that there's somebody more than Lucas Mora or to know that, you know, we're going to be able to not have to look to somebody who's, you know, what, Matthew Craig, right, to fill out a bench in, in European competition. Like, what? Um, like there's there's actual viable members of this squad and, and quality at all positions. So it's even more than depth, it's viable depth. That's the biggest thing that we've been missing. Yeah, and something else I was thinking about is that the fact that Paratici has had, I would say, a pretty good success rate with our transfers that he's brought in so far. Um, and just the way that the transfers, these players have like slotted in seamlessly i would say for the most part um that that's going to signal to other prospective players you know in the january window and even going to next summer that hey if spurs are interested in me i'm going to have an actual defined role in this system you know i'm i'm going to be going to a club that that wants me and actually needs me and I think that's going to be just as important as, for example, the fact that we have Champions League football now to attract players. Yeah, I think I think there's, you know, there, you would still like to see, and there's still time for this, obviously. We're talking late September. It is not the end-all be-all that Basuma hasn't come in and kicked on like we want. That, you know, even that, I mean, I haven't really seen Frazier Forster yet, but that, that there's a reason for that. We have Hugo Lloris, you know, the fact that, um, that they would, they would have, it would have been nice to maybe have a little bit more depth on the right side from a wing back standpoint that we've had to move Perisic over there, but you're right. Like everyone has kind of, you know, I look at like a player like Clement Lanley, like he's been able to step in to that role in, in a rotational way 
and it's been fine. It's been it's been better so good, fine. so he's, good. He's been he's been. You'd think he'd been here for seamless. three seasons. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, he the, did. Those... He's doing such a good job at a at a, a Ben Davies impression that you, you'd think he's Ben Davies, except for you know with a little bit more of a whip with that left hand. Yeah, and I think I think even like you said, there's even a little bit more progression in his game perhaps than, than Ben Davis. And that's coming from a guy who was used to be a regular left back who had progression in his game and still does. So I think there's, there's nothing wrong uh, with any of that. And the fact that the rotation can be there. I just, I I think it's a testament to, like you said, to Todd, to, to Paratici's approach. And there's nothing, you know, there was a lot of talk coming out of the summer about, you know, did they do enough? And yeah, they, they did. This is, this was always not going to be something you could do in one window, no matter how much money you had. Well, it's going to take time. I hate that people are saying that because yes, that's accurate, but it's like we signed eight fucking players, Andrew, like, come on. Well, and again, it's it, the more important thing is that there's a clear foundation being laid for success to build upon, you know, from season to season. That's a great shout. It's not just like a flash in the pan, you know, bring in a few team players for a super team for one season and hope it happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you might say that if they had only signed a player like Ivan Perisic and not a player as well, like destiny, Udogi, who is killing it right now and looking great. And, you know, his managers bitching and moaning that he didn't get called up to the Italy squad. Like, you know, that's well, like, that's, that's awesome. Like the fact that they have a guy like that waiting in the wings, the fact that Jed Spence on the other side is, is, is got time to develop and got time to, to progress into his own. Like, I think these are all positive signs. I want to, I want to point something out. Destiny Udoji is a, is a left winger. He just hasn't been converted yet. Right. They can't, the guy stinks I mean, on that, ice defensively. That, that might be fair. Ice. Right. That might be fair. It's we, we are where we are, but he can bang him in. I'll tell you what, going forward, and if that's the you know if we want the opportunity to lock down, you know, throw Ben Davies and a Destiny Udoji on at, at you know sixty minutes and, and flip the field, we got the opportunity to do that. That's special for us. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Um, a lot of other stuff kind of coming out this past week. Um, there there was a some Eric Dyer quotes uh, out there about like basically just about fan behavior in English grounds saying that uh, his family never, no longer really goes to away games and uh, because of the abuse that, 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 that they hear and that they receive. And of course, Dyer is a guy that, you know, a couple of seasons ago famously jumped into the, the crowd to defend his brother who was being abused. Um, and I say that with a, with a chuckle because it's kind of ridiculous that it, that that was something that he felt had to happen. Uh, the premier league came out this week and, uh, basically backed uh, stronger, more forceful bans for fans who are pitch invaders or who are using pyrotechnics or these smoke bombs that we've seen that, are, that have been more prevalent in England uh, in recent months, I guess. I, the smoke bombs are never really something that we saw a ton of in England, more, more in other countries throughout Europe, but we've seen a little bit of that going on. Just a lot of lot of weird stuff going on there. Again, not much else to be said, but I'm in favor of uh, <laughs> any of those those bands happening um, and any of the changes that they want to make. But it's kind of kind of sad to hear Eric Dyer having to 
speak out about that stuff while while in England camp and like let's first just say it's great that Eric Dyer's in England camp again um and love that for him um even though I don't I'll continue to bang the drum that I don't know why we have an international break right now uh and why we are playing Nations League games right before a World Cup uh just a, you know a few months before it's all very strange to me but um the other changes that that have been bantered about this week I think are even more uh, in terms of a, an on-the-pitch change are more prevalent. And those are changes that are potentially going to be coming down to the League Cup and FA Cup in the near future. Um, the League Cup is is being discussed about like it may become a, a U23 or U21 tournament only or, a to- or potentially a tournament that teams that are involved in European play don't even partake in, well, no, um, no. So, which so is we, interesting. We flipped that on its ear a little bit. <clears throat> it's simply saying that the the seven or you know at the most eight teams that aren't in europe or that are in europe will only field their u23 in the competition everybody else feels right. their full senior team and so you know the the big six or big eight or whatever teams are representatives just at, at a youth level um i don't hate that idea because I feel like it's hard. I want to win. And I think the simple reason why is, is I'm biased. And I'm biased because I want to win the FA Cup more than I want to take my next breath. And I feel like the League Cup dilutes our effort to win the FA Cup every single year. We're so exhausted. And the game's been so much in the quarterfinals and the semifinals of the, of the League Cup that by the time we're in the round of 16 or the FA Cup or the round of eight, or by God, we get into a, a, a semifinal we'll come on to this a little bit later, we end up having a poor showing because we're exhausted and it kills our efforts. And a little piece of me dies inside every single year. Well, you know, we kind of laugh at Jurgen Klopp for some of the excuses that he makes uh, for Liverpool. But I do think one thing that he said is kind of interesting because he's often talked about how making the shift from managing in Germany to managing in England was a bit of a shock to him because there are so many more games because of the additional cup. And I mean, if you think about it, those teams that are in in countries with leagues where they only have one domestic cup do have an advantage over the English teams in terms of rest. And, you know, they still have to rotate their teams throughout the season, but not to quite the same extent. So I think he's got a good point there. Well, and not only that, but there are there are other breaks within, say, the German football calendar or. You know, it's not just the international breaks like they take longer breaks during the winter time Mm -hmm. um, that the English calendar just does not a lot for. And obviously I'm talking about what would be in a normal season, not a season that has a GD World Cup in the middle of it. Um, I feel like I've mentioned that 14 times on this podcast alone, let alone all the other ones. But um, but yeah, the injuries pile up and you get that. And and they're, they're also talking about eliminating some of the FA Cup replays, which I think is. I'm completely fine with like, if we're going to have a yeah. knockout competition, we don't need to play another full 90 minutes after a draw. I, I'm sorry. No, I hundred percent go, go, go to pens. It's, it's way better for everybody involved. Um, but we can't go back. It, it, we can't not go back. I, I just want to take a minute. This world cup sucks so much. It really, so it really does. So grumpy about this. World you know, cup. something too. It's funny. There's a lot of excitement and I put excitement in the harshest of air quotes, for the USA team. And and obviously the three of us were three Americans sitting here talking about this. Um, I, I don't really 
have any of that juice. Like I'm going to, I'm going to watch some of the games here and there uh, when the, the time allots me to, but like, I just don't have, I don't have the juice for it, especially buddy, if it's happening in November. I just don't. Buddy, this is where I'm at on it is that I'm, I'm, I'm not a, anybody who's listened to this podcast once knows that I'm not a negative guy by and large, but this is I, the, the men blazers tweeted the fry festival of world cups. Like it is pretty GD accurate. If we're talking about it, like it's bad. It's really, really bad. I am worried more than I'm excited. I feel like the, the potential for something catastrophic to occur is way higher than the potential for something truly memorable and exciting to happen. Like, and that's, that's what I'm in. And I'm not this guy, but that's where my head's at. Oh, I mean, we haven't even really talked about any of the, the social or political, not even even trying to bring that up that come with it. But all of those, when you add all of those into the mix, it's just like, ugh. like the, the, the the preeminent feeling is, ugh. am I right, Caroline? Yeah. It just feels like, you know, no matter what actually happens in the tournament, it's just kind of tainted overall. And I, I don't think it can be understated what a horrible effect it's having on the footballing calendar as a whole. Uh, you know, we were talking in the pre-show about how ridiculous it is. One, that the Nations League exists to begin with, but two, that they have shoehorned in this international break, you know, the last one before the World Cup, but it didn't need to happen at all. And it's just, it's yet another opportunity for, for players to pick up an injury um you know we've already seen some covid cases happening so it's i don't know it's it's not a good year to be excited about international football at least on the men's side and the and the uniforms are terrible andrew oh my god the u.s the u.s are so bad (laughs) you know it's just the u.s it's just nike just put their pants down and took a giant dunk on the entire place puma too puma are the worst it's nike and puma they're really bad and when you can say that, it's like I, I guess take big swings, but do better. They, they, the, the U.S. kits look like they took the Spurs away kit and just made the colors slightly better. That's exactly what they did. It's, 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 it's really and bad. Through some shoulder th- anyway, it doesn't like the Puma kits look look like you know, hi, my name is like it's bad. I, 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 I want to. <laughs> Yeah, it's all bad. I want to get us slightly back on track with the, the cup Fair competition. Enough. The only the only thing I would say about the I know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to poo poo the the, the the shitting on the kits because they're bad. But I, I don't <laughs> know what else I can say. They're bad. The, the the only other thing I would say about the League Cup thing is mm-hmm. obviously if 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 you're just going to send a youth team, if you're in Europe, obviously, I never want to see Spurs playing in the League Cup again because I always want us to be in Europe. But the the only slight downside of that is that it is hardware and it is silverware yeah. that is potentially there to be one every year. And you one obviously of have a better chance to do trophies that. that goes away. And that's the part of it that kind of sucks. And I think it, there's this evolution that comes with, with all sport, not just football, not just soccer, but like, it's something that we would obviously get used to and be fine with down the road. But in the, in the interim, you know, Caroline, you don't follow baseball, so you might not like get this as much. But like, there's a bunch of rule changes coming to Major League Baseball next year, and a lot of them for 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 longtime 
stalwart baseball fans they're like oh i don't like these like they're gonna ban the ship they're gonna baseball purist there's a lot of these rules that they're banning to change they're changing rules to to evolve with the way that the game has grown and that's kind of what this is as well in a in a ham-fisted roundabout kind of way and it's all stuff that we're gonna eventually get used to but in the meantime we're gonna also kind of groan about and bellyache and want the same thing to be what it has been because of tradition and because of those kinds of things and i just think yeah in the interim it's gonna suck but also in the long run it's probably better for the game as a whole yeah, yeah and you, you know, shouldn't talk about king charles like that by the way <laughs> yeah, oh said ham fisted and roundabout wow. i mean that's that's oh, no. really rude of you oh wow you went well just to get us a little back on track um i think you know i think english football fans are fans who really value tradition which i'm not saying is a bad or a good thing i'm just pointing it out um but i think these having these two domestic tournaments worked out a lot better in the past when you didn't have all these expanded international tournaments, like it all piles up over the course of the year and gets to the point where these athletes are not getting a proper off season, you know, and, you know, we talked about like being in the red zone, like that's, there's way too many of them in the red zone just constantly because the number of games, if you're an international level player is just ridiculous. Well, I think that that's a perfect segue into the fact that our beloved Hugo has a quote-unquote thigh injury and has missed this French call-up and happens to be staying back at Hotspur Way to ensure his fitness for the Arsenal match. Yes, and look at Todd just transitioning for me, which I love when, 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 when it's done. Yes, Hugo has this injury. And again, I'm bringing out the air quotes that you can't see because this is an audio medium. I'm not 100% sure this is a injury or if it's internationalitis but either way i'm my 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 antenna are raised on this one because if this is a real injury and we are going to see fraser forster start in the, the north london derby like number one yikes but number two also i'm glad it's not galini like the, the, those are kind <laughs> of my those are kind of my whole thoughts i'm glad it's forster not galini I, you know, I'm likely to say I'd rather have you in gold than Galini, to be fair. Um, but no, it, it, honestly, the last time Arsenal saw Frazier Forrester, all six, seven of them in a goal, they uh, couldn't find a soft spot. He stood on his head. So, you know, words come to words. That's where we end up. However, like I said in the tease of this segment, Kaz, I don't think that's the case. I think it's 100% Hugo making sure that our captain is fit before we see our most fiercest rivals. God, I hope you're right. And it's not a real injury because, I mean, it, it's not that I don't think Fraser Forster would be perfectly capable of putting in a good performance. Like, I, I think he would. But Hugo has been in such great form recently that i that's who I want for such an important Derby match, period. And I think... He, you know, he's been with Spurs for so long that this match is going to mean a lot to him personally. So that gives him that that extra motivation. And yeah, I just I hope he's starting for that match. And everybody take a moment and pause and think about the fact that Hugo Lloris once denied Aubameyang and a penalty to send us to the Champions League. 
Okay, and we're back to you, Andrew. Uh, I'm going to dip back into the mailbag. Uh, Stove Malone chimed in talking about Fraser Forster, and this was, I think, before we even knew the Hugo news and, and talking about when he could start and rotation. Rotation's weird for me with goalkeepers. I don't think you really need a ton of rotation. We saw, I mean, after we realized last season that Galini was no better than a traffic cone, um, I think we didn't really see Hugo step out of, of goal uh for like half the season he was playing every single match down the stretch it's since conte got there basically it was Conte's really one you saw right. one game of golini and went fuck out of my team exactly never again he said i don't care if you're italian go go he um, said, which is you fine you are an excellent italian cheerleader Stick that around. said, that said, I think I have no problem if they want to throw Forster out there for League Cup matches or for if if we get if if we happen to get to the end of the Champions League group stage and the game the final game maybe doesn't matter. Um, I'm fine with all of that FA Cup early rounds. I'm fine with that, but I don't need I, I need Hugo because I don't think it actually gets spoken enough over the last week week and a half how good Hugo was. Um, you know, even in the sporting match, he was really, really good. And that's the first match we've lost in like almost 20 dating back to last season. He was really, really good in that match. He was really, really good uh, in the match this past weekend against Leicester. Um, so I, he, the dude is just he's he's the dude like there's no other way to put it. That said, Fraser Forster was in goal for Southampton last last uh end of last season when they did beat arsenal so like there is there is something there i i, I like i said i'm just i'm just glad it's not galini that's going to be in goal even seeing him against a team like i don't know bournemouth in the league i think sure. would be acceptable you if know you've got a, yeah. if you've got a three-game week or whatever because of yeah. this yeah. monstrosity of a fixture list sure. and that's mm-hmm. but see the other thing that we got to talk about here is we're not just subbing on a goalkeeper we're subbing the captain Yes. And so for, for that reason, you know, Hugo's going to play more games than your average goalkeeper just because he's a fucking captain. And by and large, he's one of the best shot stoppers in the world. Um, the problem is, and I, and I want to get out here and say this, because there's going to be some Hugo detractors listening to this saying it's not all sunshine and rainbows you're trying to blow up our asses. And the fact is, is that for the first time in a long time, Hugo's not performing statistically as well as he should. The shots that he's letting in are not good. They're not good shots. He should be in previous years was stopping a lot of these shots. Now, yeah, he plays great, but there's just certain balls he can't get to anymore. And the cons, like the idea of me of moving on from Hugo is becoming more and more of a reality. And I think that, that at least I'm noticing more chinks in the armor this year than I have previously, Andrew. I, I think you're right about that, Todd. I think we've always seen, obviously, um, What's the word I'm looking for here? We've always seen Hugo's detriment, especially when it comes to things like distribution. And we really, really saw some of that like earlier in the season. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think back to to which match it was. It was like maybe the Fulham match or definitely the West Ham game. The West Ham game was really bad. Now, now I think part of that was the defense that was in front of him, too, that was not able to play out of the back. Um, but you know, that's what happens when you have Davinson Sanchez. Like you're not going to be able to play out of the back as well because he's not as comfortable with the ball at his feet. I I think you're right about that. And I think the future is always something we're going to be thinking about when it comes to Hugo. And we have been really for like the last two or three years. But I think when that cliff, when he finally goes off the end of that cliff that we've been looking at now for a while, we'll know it. 
I just don't think I think you have to ride it ride the the wave until we're there, you know? I you know, I that's just, I don't know, Kaz. I you, you do and you don't. Like that's kind of reckless like like you uh. Well, I you know, I think as far as this season goes, I think he still had quite a few saves that ended up being really important to our results. For sure. And the other side of it is that while he is still performing so well, there hasn't really been an adequate replacement on the market that you would feel comfortable giving Hugo up for, for that other player. Like there, there, it just doesn't exist right now. There certainly isn't someone in house already. Like the, no. that person is not there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think we have an alternative, frankly. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, you're right. No, it's true. And I look, I, I hope Hugo's healthy enough by next week to, to play. If he's not, Go get him. Go get him, Fraser. I mean, <laughs> that's all I can say. Uh, there's another injury concern that we learned about this past week. Um, and I think we all thought originally that it was just a knock, but Ben Davis uh, actually has a hairline fracture just below uh, his, I think it's below his knee. Alistair Gold reported this earlier this week. It's like shin area. Hairline fracture sounds horrendous, but he also said it's only about a three-week injury. So... I don't know. Like we spoke earlier about Langley coming in and it being kind of seamless. My question is where is the depth behind him? Because we have not really seen, I think we briefly saw Jaffa Tanganga come on uh, earlier this season, but we really haven't seen much of him. And I'm trying to think beyond that where the option would be uh, as a left-sided center back. Cause I think Tanganga can play on the left side. I'd prefer him on the right, but he's fine over there. I guess you would push Dyer over to the left. If absolutely you're not moving, be. you're not moving he, Dyer at all. He and has now, to be in the center. Dyer, Dyer is a fucking liability. If you get him any closer to the six yard box with his back to it, you know, this, I you hear you, this. I hear you, but where's the depth beyond, you know, if this turns into something more, that's my only my only qualm, my only question. Well, it's in. Well, if your qualm and question are still a qualm and question of concern, we'll address them in January. I know, I know. It's a, it's a problem for future, future. Speaking of January, did you see James Madison's finish against us? Golly, can that guy please come and hang out? I'm just saying. I don't well, care. What he, I don't care what he tweeted when he was twelve. Fuck out of here. Hold on. I. Hold on. Not enough people have gone back and watched that James Madison finish so to, rec- to recognize wow. that the ball came off his shin. It hit his shin for sure. Yeah, I'm, it was I'm a also super look. Look, <laughs> credit to him. The ball went in the back of the net. There was a lot of luck involved in that hit, man. I mean, okay. Also, I continue to harp on the fact that Ryan Sessignon had a good game against Leicester, but also you cannot get beaten the way that you did down the, down the side to let that thing happen like that. The, the 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 two goals Lester scored, yes, Davinson Sanchez is a dope and, and dove in and gave up a penalty, but also Hugo saved the penalty and you never see that called. So of course it gets called against Hotman. Kind That's of bullshit there. And then the goal they gave up was kind of a wild, like, how the hell did that happen type of goal. So I look, would I like to have James Madison in the team? Yes. Sure, that'd be great. But also like that was a really super kind of lucky goal. I'm just saying right. that the, the, the defense 
if you take away Ben Davis and you don't want to play Davis and Sanchez a lot, you've got R- Romero, Dyer, Longley, and then Tanganga is the only real guy other than, you know, that it, we're talking about six center backs for three positions here. If, if one's hurt, one, you don't really want to play. That gives you one extra one. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's where I'm at with the depth that just, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I want Ben Davis to get healthy is all I'm saying. Cause I, I, you, everyone knows I love Ben Davis and this is true. You know, what is it? It's a hairline fracture, right? So you give the guy an extra week and you make sure everything gets healed up and then you, that's pray. what I'm hoping you, you, you pray for strong and you know, bones and you know, you, you double wrap his, his shins. Like, what do you do? And then you hope uh, that like he doesn't said, get further injured for fine. Wales. So I, I think with Longley playing so well, there's no reason for Conte to have to like, you know, risk him too early. Davis, no, I mean. No, you're right. You're right. I just, again, I continue to harp on there's going to be a lot of games. I mean, look, right after the, the North London Derby uh, next week, you get Frankfurt a few days later, uh, Brighton at the weekend, Frankfurt again midweek. Like, the, the fixtures don't stop. And even when there's not Champions League fixtures midweek, there are Premier League fixtures midweek. There's a, you know, middle of October, there's a midweek uh, Manchester United match. There's a, you know, it's just, it's a lot of games and I don't, I don't want to get in a position where you got this guy injured, this guy you can't play because he's horrendous and hope that there's not an injury mid game to something like that's a scramble situation that I don't want to have to see the team face is basically all I'm saying. Oh, me either. That's where I'm at. Um, we got one more question to dive into in the mailbag. Uh, and that is, what is your happiest and your saddest moment as a Spurs fan. And this was one that I had to really ponder. Um, Todd, you've been, you've been a fan for, of Spurs for, for longer than Caroline or I. So I want you to answer this one first, because you're going to be able to, maybe you won't stretch back far, farther than our fandom goes, but maybe you will. So that's why I just want to give the opportunity. None of us shared with each other. So there may be, may even be some overlap here. So I want to give you the floor on this one first. Well, I've actually said that, um, my happiest moment as a Spurs fan uh, was the two weeks between the Champions League semifinal and the Champions League final. For those two weeks, no matter what was going on in the rest of the Spurs universe, we were bulletproof because we were going to the Champions League final. And that kind of culminated in the, I don't know, hour and a half, before the Champions League final at the Harp celebrating with San Diego Spurs and like what felt like 400 people. I don't know how many people were actually there. It was fully packed and everybody was singing and chanting and drinking and everything in that moment was possible. We were the best team in the in Europe in that moment. And I don't know that the outside of actually lifting the bigger trophy that that moment could be bested as, as a fan. Um, the worst moment. I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of fucking heartbreak. There's a lot of killers. There's a lot of killers, but specifically, then I, I want to. And I've mentioned I'm, how badly I want to win the FA Cup uh, because I the last time Spurs won the FA Cup, which used to be Spurs's trophy. Like, go back and do your history about Spurs and the FA Cup. It's a big deal. Um. 
the last time we won it was 91, Andrew. I was not a Spurs fan in 1991. This is, this is true. Um, Caroline and I were barely humans. In that's 19. the year where I was born. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> I was, there you go. I was a child. I was a small child in 1991. <laughs> um, and, and despite you know the the age difference between us, I was not a Spurs fan at that point. Um, the Mourinho United. We went in at halftime, up one nil, lost two one. I felt gutted. I felt like a piece of me left was left and we I watched a bar in San Diego with a buddy of mine who was a United fan and I brought my kids I was so confident that we were going to show up and was feeling so good at halftime and felt like it was having to like still be a a dad to my two young children who went with <laughs> me that didn't understand at that point in time how how my guts were left all over that floor of that bar uh, yeah, it was tough. That was a tough day, Andrew. I feel you. I feel you. Caroline, close you second. Have... Close second. I'm sorry. Another FA Cup semifinal where fucking Pochettino decided to play Sonny as a god. Oh, bless that was just weird. That was weird, he, though. He had the longest sliding penalty challenge against, I think, William in the box. I just I, He's still sliding in my mind, his young men's son. Like, that's how bad it is. <laughs> Anyway, keep going. Caroline, do you have a happiest well, slash saddest for us? Uh, Todd teed me up perfectly, and it won't surprise anyone to know that both of my answers involve son. So happiest moment. I I had to really think about this because I feel like we've had we've been treated to quite a few kind of like just startling, shocking moments in recent years. You know, like the Ajax game, Bergie's Leicester brace. I mean, mm. and to me, those were moments where I was just so just like unbelieving that it wasn't even registering as happiness. You know what I mean? So the game that I remember being most just like purely happy was our opening match last season against Manchester City. Um, you know, we had all this drama going on with Kane's transfer saga and there was so much pressure being put on Sun to be like the leader of the team to score the goals, you know, to make it happen. And it was, it was a really hard fought game. So it was like, I felt proud from that standpoint, you know, that we, we were able to keep the returning champions scoreless. And then when Sun scored that fabulous shot, you know, one of his just signature edge of the box, like left foot, yeah, left foot. No one else can do it like he can. And I just was so proud of him and the whole team. So that that to me was the happiest moment as a Spurs fan. And then saddest moment <laughs> is the League Cup final, also against City. Um, just Sorry. because after the game, seeing yeah. Sun literally crying. Like, I, I don't usually cry when it comes to sports. Um, just like when the San Antonio Spurs won the championship, <laughs> that's really the only time. But yeah, that that really got to me, and I just couldn't bear to see him look so upset. And you know, we all know none of them played at their best, but I don't know. It was just heartbreaking. Well, they, they played like they were coached like Ryan Mason instead of Mourinho, um, like they were uh, less than a week prior. 
Anyway, that's a different conversation for a different day, Cass. Uh, gosh, we just open in wounds. Thanks for you that. You know, Todd, it's funny. I thought your saddest moment was going to be the day they fired Mourinho six days before a cup final because uh, obviously you bring that up all the time. I, I swear no, that no, no. Mourinho moment. guts me in other ways entirely. Like that man is at the heart of everything evil in football. Anyway, I'm going to start with my saddest moment because it's related to Jose Mourinho. Um, everyone knows I was not a Jose Mourinho person or fan or any of that, but I – truly did want it to work like i i was not rooting against jose Mourinho. obviously i wanted it to work my saddest moment that I, that, that that came to mind is actually the loss to dynamo zagreb because that's when i knew it was over and i had reached a point in my fandom at spurs where that was like a bottom of all bottoms that and and it obviously did not still culminate in his sacking until a little while later but that's when i knew it was over and losing to a team that whose manager was in literally in prison was like how how much worse can it get at this point and i know that it was just a crash it was only a crash out of the europa league and it's like it seems like a minor thing but that was a rock bottom moment that just made me so sick to be related or associated with spurs that that moment was for me so damn i mean you go in up two nil on aggregate and lose a the only thing you can't do is is lose three nil and you fucking do it like what the the hell the only thing you can't do is um have your social media person text uh job done afterwards um despite looking at the score joe hart uh no it's (laughs) To be honest with you, man, I, I, I kind of blocked that out. It's like, you remember when your little brother went through that goth phase, like, and just after a while, like, he snapped out of it, and, like, nobody talks about that anymore. Uh, yeah, it's kind of that sort of situation, man. I, I, the, the Mourinho days were, were dark, dark days at first. Almost at Nuno bad, but, um, like, more snark, because it was like everybody expected something out of Mourinho, except for um, it's just he's not the same dude. Um, so that's, man. You don't have another question in there that might be a little bit more positive than that, Andrew. I haven't. I haven't given you my happiest moment. That's why I started with my saddest. So that yeah, let us be happy happiest. again. We're gonna <laughs> yeah, we're gonna please. finish on the happiest. And this is gonna sound really stupid to a lot of people, but I have I have I have good reason for this. Okay, this is gonna sound like recency bias, and it's gonna sound really stupid. But I think one of my happiest moments as a Spurs fan, honestly, and the one that was probably closest, other than Ajax and other than Man City Champions League the closest to bring me for to tears was, was when Sonny scored the hat trick this last week, because there was so much going on in terms of just banter. And, and, and we've, we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum, the reasons that Sun was dropped, the, all of that. See, and it's not so much the goals and it's not so much the moment. It was the embrace of the whole team around Sun after he scored the first one and seeing him just stand there almost like he didn't believe that he scored the goal. And he needed to be reminded of it. And when Kane hugged him and Kane reached his left arm out and waved everyone else over to group hug, that moment for me was like, I'm, 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 I'm not getting choked up. I swear in the moment I was like, Oh my God. Like I had to go back and watch it. And and part of it too, is that I did not watch the moment live. It was live to me because I did not know what had happened in the game, but I watched the game later in the day Mm -hmm. recorded. And I, I got, I got it hit me. It hit me a lot in, in, in all the happy ways and all the emotional ways that this guy is so damn Spurs 
through and yeah. through. I and almost moment, went with see, this moment too, Andrew. The moment for me was just, he, I know it sounds like stupid recency bias, but that was, no. and part of it too, Todd, before, I'm, I'm going to let you jump in. Part of it too is because right now where I am as a Spurs fan, I'm so happy in where I see this team going and I see a direction. And that was the epitome of it last week. Like seeing what happened last week on the pitch was just, we're off. We're, we're in this thing. We're going. And I love it. And it makes me really happy. My secondary happiest moment also involved Sun, but wasn't this moment. It was actually when he scored the second goal against Norwich. For the golden boot. For the golden yeah. boot. And to shot. secure us finishing above that scummy bunch. And he runs over to the corner. And the, the picture of everyone lifting him up and him up in the air with like the single fist pump. That makes me like emotional in the moment. Just I did cry at that yes. moment. <laughs> like it was like, oh my gosh, this is our guy. And the way that he scored it again, patented Sonny Bender from outside the box. Just no, no chance tim cruel and, and those that like yeah that was that was one of my favorite days as spurs i think the, the moral of this story son is a big moment player and he brings us a lot of happiness <laughs> he does he's he, the dude spurs through, and through um a challenge to the listeners if you've made it this late in the pod and are hearing this conversation i hit us up on social media hit us up on twitter on instagram at Tottenham Depot, let us know your happiest moment as a Spurs fan. There's going to be a lot of Spurs fans out here who listen to this podcast who are perhaps older, who have more experience with the club, who are English, who who have been closer to it than 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 the three Americans sitting on this podcast talking about it. I want to know your favorite moment as a Spurs fan. What what's the moment that made you happiest as a Spurs fan? I know it's easy to say, you know, Ajax or or well, a number I mean, of these like, things, but like I want to know those moments because. That's yeah. what we need going into going into this week with a North London derby coming out of an international break. I want to, I want to, I, I want you all to flood our social media with those, and we'll re retweet them as they come in because that's that's the, those are the vibes we need right now coming coming into this this game. Absolutely, no good vibes, good vibes across the board. Um, and I, you know, there's gonna be like the crouchy moments to send us to the Champions League. And sure, like, absolutely. I mean, there's there's so many great moments in Spurs in, in Spurs history. It's interesting the ones that like that stick out in your memory based off of like your your like lineage of, of fanhood. So I'm excited to to hear those responses as well. Um, shout as always to Razor to Razor in the flange. I uh, hope those guys are doing well. Um, Absolutely. And uh, can can we just can we just collectively say that we at least have the best owners of the the big three clubs in london um because god damn it every time todd bully opens his mouth i feel sad to be an american soccer fan you know i was yeah. gonna i was gonna bring up the the whole premier league all-star game thing during this week but i just thought let's leave it because i think there are arguments to be made but like my goodness yes not good ones well, y'all know that that I'm a writer first and foremost, and I've been thinking the past few days, like, I just need to write an essay defending the American fan because I feel like we're, we're catching some strays thanks to yes, Mr. Todd here. We Not are. you, Todd, the other Todd. No, understood. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and listen, the, the Ted Lasso thing didn't in, in, in help because um, we're catching it in fiction. 
Hey, we're there will be there will be no there will be no Ted Lasso slander on this podcast. There's oh, certainly not. That, I'm, that fine show. The, uh, I'm just saying, we're, you know, obviously we're biased, kind of big fans, uh, but um, not everybody can say that, especially if you don't live in where we live. Yeah. No, it's 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 very true. Um, listen, guys, this was a really fun podcast. I did not think that we were going to be able to fill uh, this much time recording early on an international break week, but we did. And and congrats to the two of you for uh, holding it down and 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 doing this with us. We will be back next week. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk men's North London derby as long as they're the rail strikes uh, that are being threatened. Don't uh, you know? I, I think the gunners are, are are threatening to be runners again. Once once again. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to avoid we'll have to avoid that. Um, we'll also talk about the women's North London derby, which of course you probably already know the result of as you hear this. But we will we will recap that one. The women are on an international break uh, after after the North London derby. Am I wrong? No, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're right. Just so, more international breaks uh, to deal with. Yeah, they, they, they're going to get two games in before an international break. It was three yeah, last season October for the men. 3rd yeah, is so the women's international break. Women will be on an international break, but we'll we'll be able to recap the North London Derby. Of course, the women two games into their season at this point, so um, we'll be able to recap that as well as the men, and and then it's back into the Champions League as we go after that. Um, so a, a lot more games coming before we finally get another second to breathe, um, which will be way more than a second. It'll be a, a world cup break, um, but we will be on the run in for that as well. So uh, follow Caroline at CG Stefko, follow Todd at TC underscore Kasho. show could follow me at a Stetka. And again, hit us up at Tottenham Depot with your happiest moment as a Spurs fan. Don't send me your saddest ones. I'm not retweeting those. I don't want to hear it. Not we're not, we're not dealing with those vibes heading into the week of a North London Derby. Uh, we're not doing it. Not going to be here for it uh, until right. next week. When we got, go ahead, Todd. Oh, I was just going to say, if you have a, a, a gunner mate, remind them that they're a bunch of cowards and that they bottled the North London Derby and a four point lead. And that's why they don't get to play on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just say uh, there's a rumor out there that every gunner is a runner and then run away. Just <laughs> that's, all, that's, all, that's all you need to do. Just let them know. I heard every gunner's a runner. Is it true? It may or may not be true. And then watch uh, them. We will talk about all of it next week here on the Tottenham Depot podcast. Until then, as always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>